live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion, high atop Tent Hill, it's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine, featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockbirth! When I go, everybody's got to go. I am Wiggly. I am the hostess with the mostess of We Talk Games Arcade Weekly. That's what we're doing, right? Arcades. That is what we're doing. Okay. On the Skype pipe there is Kavon Cubics. I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. Uh, just like listeners treat our clues at the end of each episode. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about a game from 19... 19- we're getting right in. I'm not even farting around with Stinky or any other gimmicks that I talk about. I'm not even going to blow a slide whistle. I lied. You lied. I didn't lie. I lie like a dog in a rug in a rug with smallpox on it. Hey, oh, how no. about that smallpox? It's great for the kids. Have smallpox parties. Just ask Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> She's an expert. All right, so let's get into 1989's Legend, The Legend of Valkyrie. You might also know it as Valkyrie no Pupu Kaka. I I didn't write down the real name of it. Oh, yeah, the Japanese name. Because if you are trying to tune this in with your magical antenna, I believe the only working ROMs I could find were the Japanese ones. But if you Google Legend or The Legend of Valkyrie, you'll find it. Yeah, because this was never translated into English until it came out for Namco Museum 5. Right. Namco Museum 5. And I'm like confused on my Namco Museums because there were some I had to import and then there were some I had to get in America because one game was different on each. This was Mm. for the original PlayStation. That might have been one of them. I know before I said it was Dragoon, Tower of Dragoon, Dragon, (laughs) Dragon. And uh, Druaga. That's him. Yeah. But now I might be mistaken, and it might have been the the Legend of Valkyrie, so I don't know. But then it did come out, and from what I can recall, it really didn't help you. (laughs) It's just as obtuse as Tower of Draga in certain points of the game. Yes. And, And actually, this is a sequel to a Famicom game, which is extremely obtuse. It's called The Adventure of Valkyrie, The Legend of Time Key, 1986. Which I actually own. That is very much a Zelda ripoff, but going back to saying obtuse, extremely obtuse. And even if you know Japanese, 
it doesn't tell you what you should be doing. Like I, I was just looking into it a little bit and going through some walkthroughs and evidently there's like a patch of grass that you need to stand on <laughs> and let a day cycle in the game go through to open up a rainbow to get to the other continent. Oh, and like, the only do. clue is the patch of grass is slightly different from the other patches of grass. I never knew there was a second level. Oh. I bought that in a pack of loose Famicom games. Gotcha. And the only thing I think I've played of it so far has been looking at the the art on the, <laughs> on the cart. Let's talk. Well, I think we should set it up at just a tense bit. Yeah. It's a uh, top-down mm-hmm. adventure game, much like Zelda, except really gorgeous. This is 1989. Yeah, it's beautiful. The artwork's beautiful. Oh. It's a shooter. I would call it a shooter, right? Top-down yeah. fantasy shooter. Fantasy shooter with exploration elements as well. Yes. So let's get into the making mechanics. 1986, three years before this, I think is the precursor to this, which would be Kiki Kai Kai or Pocky without Rocky, as I mentioned by Taito, also known as Mysterious Ghost World. That's the literal translation, maybe. And a funny thing about Kiki Kai Kai was that it was released in North America unofficially as Night Boy. Oh, I didn't like know that. Like K-N-I-G-H-T, okay. which I never saw in the arcade, and that's not a boy. <laughs> that's, this is true. Right. Unless uh, we're going back to our Dungeons & Drag Queen episode. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, this would have been good if I would have uh, remembered that. And then 1989, we had <laughs> The Legend of Valkyrie, and then 1992 was Kiki Kai Kai, Nazo no Nazanokuramanto. Mont. I can't, I don't think I spelled it entirely out, but that's Pocky and Rocky 1992 by Taito. Uh, also, Natsumi was in there. Do you have any more? I do. Okay, good. I already talked about it, but Legend of Zelda I dumped in in my making mm-hmm. mechanics 1986 by Nintendo R&D4. Prior to this game, I put in Gun.Smoke. Don't give me oh. shit about it. It isn't Gunsmoke. It is right. Gun.Smoke because sure. of legal issues. Yeah. 1985 Capcom. And I go with that because it does play the same way. It has the similar mechanic of top-down shooter. So I want Gunsmoke. I got that vibe from this game. Yeah, I can and see And then that. shooting ahead into the future, a game we already discussed, Princess Clara. Yeah. Daisuken. Who, yeah, Daisuken 1996 Atlas. Again, plays very similar to this game, although this game has more of those Legend of Zelda notes about it where there is exploration. There's actually shops where you buy things and you talk to villagers and you acquire things. But I didn't realize that there was an English version I could play. So as we've discussed in the past with you playing through RPGs completely in Japanese, that was the experience I was having while I was playing this game. And I was just muscling through it. Yeah, That's okay up until a certain point. And then characters will ask you questions. And it's clear that unless you know kanji, you're not going to answer correctly. And it's going to really hinder your experience in the game. But we'll get yeah, into that. It won't give you a heart or something like that or a, yeah. or a spell. The very interesting thing about that, why you bring up kanji, is that it is written properly. It's written up yes. and down and right to left. So that's pretty unique to arcade games and even console games. Normally, the Japanese games would write from left to right, more Western style mm. with kanji, though. Now we come to a new part of the show called... In the realm of gaming history. Oh, I like it. I hope it, do we have some music to back that up? Or? No, and I, I here, here, you just use this like this. Ready? Yeah. In just the, use that. You, you, you have to mirror me. 
In the realm. No, go, go. Just slap back. Here we go. Ready? In, in the, the realm, realm of gaming, gaming history. history. <laughs> that worked perfectly. Oh, man, it was excellent. Spot on. I'm patting myself on the back. Yeah. So in the realm of gaming history, <laughs> I like to lead up one year before so we know what preceded it, and then we'll go into the um, time of release. 1991, our hardware released the Mega Drive the Sega Mega Drive in Japan, and also, very important, the Nintendo Power Pad. Oh, very important. Very important. Uh, yeah, duck and then jump on your 90-pound <laughs> girlfriend's foot and smash it. Same year hardware would be the Game Boy, the Lynx, the TurboGrafx-16 would be released in America, the Genesis, and the Power Glove. Now, leading into 1991 titles, you had Fantasy Star, Altered Beast, and Zelda II. That leads into the fantasy that preceded it, because you already had Zelda II. Now you were side-scrolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Fantasy Star, which, you know, completely different. And Altered Beast, you do throw bombs out your hands. Right. It's also a shitty game. Very also, good. very important, 1991, leading into The Legend of Valkyrie, John Madden football for the Apple II. <laughs> The beginning of the Madden Empire. Wait, 1991? 1991, I mean. But the game came out in 1989. The game of Legend of Valkyrie came out in 1989, and our history is flawed. (laughs) Well, it was some good history, folks. (sighs) Well, we learned some things, and that's worth something. I think my same years. Yeah, my same years are right. All it's right. My, it's not, Let's hear those. It's my preceding was wrong. So say, <laughs> in the realm of gaming video history. Gaming. I keep wanting to say video gaming history. Yeah, well. Because gaming, no one, end up with the D20 up your butt. Yeah, but we're already getting too long with the title. It's, it's, eating, <laughs> it's chewing into our Let's do another five-minute intro. <laughs> So, same year hardware would be Game Boy, Lynx, TurboGrafx-16, American Release Genesis, and the Power Glove. The same year titles would be Fantasy Star 2. Mm-hmm. Well, how the fuck did Fantasy Star come out? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, wait a minute. Now I'm really confused. Fantasy Star. Actually, it was 1987 by Sonic Team. And so, I was the preceding, just take everything and put different dates on it. Okay. Forget it. I said 1991. Take that out of the equation. Same year titles as Legend of Valkyrie would be Fantasy Star 2, Shadow of the Beast, Populous, Zelda Game & Watch for you. Yes. And that takes care of our fantasy type of area. Then we also had Stun Runner, Hard Driving, Herzog Zwei, mm-hmm. and Minesweeper, favorite of Keef, the Robo Dukes, Minesweeper. Yes. That came out. That's your realm of gaming history. Nice. Where this fits into time. Paints a historical picture for you, if you will. Allows you to realize the era of its ways. I mean, Minesweeper was happening. Right. (laughs) Minesweeper, Power Pad, all that stuff that really makes a difference. Yes. In Namco's The Legend of Valkyrie. This is another example of Namco's roster of characters that I think Mm. people are not aware of. This character, and very close to me, a game that I love, Soul Calibur, I had no idea that Valkyrie, a.k.a. Cassandra, was a character that was from a different franchise. So that's a playable character in Soul Calibur, but I didn't realize I was playing Valkyrie, the same character from this 1989 game. 
uh, just another wink and a nod to this uh, legacy that Namco has. And it's another example of Namco having a strong female protagonist in their video game. I'm going back to uh, Kissy from Baraduke. Sure. We keep saying Valkyrie, but she's not actually a Valkyrie. And they really hammer this right. home. <laughs> yeah. She's just a person that dresses up like a Valkyrie, I guess. I, I she's a really... warrior from the clouds whose name is Valkyrie, but ah, is not a Valkyrie. That's it. Yet she yeah. wears a Norse type of helmet, and mm-hmm. you bury her under stones with her sword and her helmet there. Uh, the most impressive thing about this, besides the pretty graphics, I think what will hook you into this is the depth, the 3D that happens in here. Yeah. It's, it's, of course, all raster graphics, all sprites, but there's a lot of scaling and manipulation with the sprites and whatnot. One of my favorites is one of her powers, which I'm getting a little ahead of myself, which is big. It's called big. Fortunately, that's in English. So when you go big, she becomes giant. When she's giant, she is huge and humongous. Yeah. I mean, like half the screen giant. And And just the way I love it, they don't bother redrawing the sprite. They just blow, blow up. up those pixels. Yeah, this is Mode 7 happening. Oh, I man. Mean, if you're familiar with Mode 7 and the gimmicks that are happening with that technology, that is what was happening in this 1989 game. But unlike Mode 7, it wasn't just the background. It was the sprites on the foreground that you were playing with. That was the limitation for the Super Nintendo. Obviously, this is an arcade machine, so they could build the hardware to support just playing this game to do it. But it's very impressive. And the interaction, I mean, 1990 yeah. is when the uh, Super Nintendo was released, so it's a year prior to that. And I know they played with Mode 7 a little bit in Super Mario World right. to show it off, but we didn't really get to see its full potential in, until later titles. Uh, but this was doing things that the Super Nintendo couldn't with that technology. It's peppered just right into this game, I think. There's parts where you fall off the side of the cliff. You don't want to do that. You'll die. But then there's other parts that are part of the game mechanic and the gameplay where you You'll jump down to a city beneath you that you can actually land on. Or one of my favorite parts is when you <laughs> go into those giant wooden spoons where they're catapults and they mm-hmm. kick you across the country to a different space. Much like a Bomberman um, and especially Bomberman S, which I like to talk about a lot, which was the 10-player simultaneous Bomberman that came out for the Saturn. Right. The Japanese version is the one that you want to get on that because... You have Bonk and you have all the Hudson franchise. What's his name? Jungle Man. Jungle Man, Captain Hudson, the bee. He was there. (laughs) Boy, it's on the tip of my tongues. You know, Adventure Island guy. Oh, uh, Master Higgins. That's it. Master Higgins. His wife is there. Mrs. Higgins. His boyfriend. He was there. Coco Higgins. Yeah, Scarecrow. (laughs) What are we looking at here? We're looking at heavy black outline cartoony characters, which Mm -hmm. remind me a lot of Irem or Victor musical games. Yeah. And you're dealing with mostly fantasy style shit again. All your fantasy shits in here. Yeah, there's some interesting choices. They don't just go with flying monkeys. They go with flying Mm. baboons. Very early on, you see this like devil beating the shit out of this little kid. And it's all sort of fun and chibi. It reminded me of the same character sensibility that you saw in... Remember Unico? No. It was like a Japanese anime cartoon that came to North America in the 80s. And it was about a little unicorn. Oh, and his adventures. And the one I remember particularly was there's the Beezlebub, which was this little demon. He was all cutesy <laughs> and stuff. Bub. He stole the Unico's horn 
Okay. And was like flying around and he thought it was great and he, you know, didn't want to give the horn back or whatever. I guess that is a little obscure, but for people who are familiar with that cartoon, it hit that note for me graphically as far as the choices and the characters. For people not familiar with that cartoon, just think cutesy, Pocky and Rocky type characters. You know, they're just a lot of fun to look at. They're interesting choices and there's some great animations with those characters too. Like when Valkyrie gets burnt up, she, you know, gets. <laughs> goes all crispy yeah you know it just it's fun it's a it's a fun looking game again to paint the picture it would be like if nintendo put out an arcade version of legend of zelda but dumped in some of the more kitschy goofiness it wasn't serious but it was a more serious game than this where this had a little a lot more tongue-in-cheek humor if you will it did present drama to me though drama in there I think much like Legend of Zelda, uh, the original one, now that I've actually played it, because as you might know, I (laughs) did not care for the NES versions of Zelda, and I came in with uh, Link to the Past, and I really enjoyed that title. That's the first one I ever played to completion, and then I went back or whatever. But it reminds me of that. It's cutesy, yet I think there's some drama involved. I think that... I'll tell you the boss battles, I definitely agree. Those were challenging and heightened the drama of the game. The little bad guys I thought were cutesy, but the bosses were challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the whole game's kind of challenging. I didn't notice if there were dip switch settings, but you had actually texted me while you were playing this, and you were saying that you didn't know if you liked it or hated it. After the first level, I found that the sharp incline of difficulty was kind of off-putting. I was also playing the Japanese version, so the first playthrough, I had missed the little hut where you get your orb for uh-huh. your uh, magic ability. Okay. You, you collect orbs. Uh, yeah, and you're like, what but, the hell are these? Yeah, they're, they're like crystal <laughs> balls, and you collect them, and what they do is that, that's your power meter. You can fill that power meter up, but there's actually a villager like in the very first level that you go to, and she gives you one extra one to fill your your bar basically like you have three and she gives you a fourth one and then depending on how many you have depends on the type of ability you can do and without that ability being powered up to that fourth level Mm -hmm. that first boss battle i was spending way too much time trying to defeat him because i didn't get that crystal ball to have the ability to use the magic to defeat him and i was like man this is really challenging for a first boss but then when i did a little more exploration in that first village i found that villager and all of a sudden that first boss was a breeze but then i went to the next level mm-hmm. and it was just this huge incline and i was like ah man i don't know is this game too difficult and too obtuse where it belonged on a console and not in the arcade. And that was my back and forth of the game. I'm like, all right, the, I like a lot of elements about this game, but is it a good arcade game? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game. It just means to me, like, if I was standing in the arcade and I had to put quarters into this machine, would I put another quarter in? To me, I think I didn't want to stop playing it until I beat it. Now, I didn't have a roll of quarters in my hand, so I could keep feeding it. But there was something about it that really wanted me to get to the next level, really wanted me to finish this title. Mm-hmm. I think it really has a draw like that. As we mentioned, you have different types of shots because it's a shooter. You'll run into these guys and he'll say A, B, or C. Yeah. And you sort of point your joystick in the 
left, middle, or right position to get really grateful for that because of the Japanese. (laughs) I could figure it out real easily. Yeah. Uh, But it shows different things on there, like a shield or a different type of sword or some type of weird thing or bombs. Bombs, you could tell what they are. But then you're like, what the hell do these things do? Like, how do I select between the different weapons? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think they just exhaust themselves. Am I? I is that I could what happens? Be wrong about this, yeah. but I believe it's like a magician lord thing. With depending on the combination of what you grab ah. is what your shot is. Okay. okay. Because in the second or third level, I had a really good combination where I had homing missiles. Yeah. Not missiles, but the orbs were homing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was like, like, "Oh, this is fucking rad." Yeah. <laughs> end of this. I didn't. I didn't text you back. But the end of the story is, I really did enjoy this game, and I do like it. It's just i wish i was playing a fan hacked translation of it yeah that being said it's still not as obtuse as the tower of jiraga which i did not derive (laughs) as much pleasure from as playing this game where yes i agree all the visuals and the music too i hate to keep going back to this game but this is the type of music that i was expecting in a gate of doom Uh like it just bleeds fantasy it was good rich music the sound effects really good the little like uh, grunts and groans of either your character or the enemies that you're fighting or whatever it all came together it's a very neat package a very enjoyable experience but it's very challenging yeah the music is kind of odd it's not necessarily all american sensibility to fit to a fantasy game i think not all of it but it doesn't bother me and she does have bravo man syndrome where she does make a grunt every time she swings her weapon however it was low enough in the mix it was sort of secondary you didn't really notice it that much but it was there to enhance the title yeah you also have a secondary weapon which is your magics Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, you go to people and they'll give you different things. Some old bag will be there. Yeah. Think <laughs> or, heart containers going back to Zelda. Right. And then you can collect bags of money or jumping away so you could buy these uh, different power-ups and, and whatnot for your regular sword. But then to select your magics, what you do is you hold down the A button because you have a jump and you have a strike. So. Yes. A lot of times you're like, well, why am I glowing and I have a word bubble uh, over my head? (laughs) And what you have to do is when you hold that down, you press to the left or right, and that'll bring up your different magics that you might have or might not have. And there's several different ones. Ones, like I mentioned, big. That was my favorite one. Big makes you humongous, and you can't undo it. Once you start being big, you can't not be big until the time runs out. Or your balls drain, I should say. And then there's one that sends out giant destroy the whole screen types of uh, projectiles. There's one where you're a whirlwind. Yeah. And uh, I can't, I don't remember the other one. It's, it's pronounced whirlwind. Oh, whirlwind. That's right. I forgot about that. The whirlwind. There's also the little familiar mini you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call out. She doesn't look like much, but she's extremely helpful. Yeah. And we forgot to mention that this can be a two player game. It's two players simultaneous. The second player is Carino Sandra. And he is. is a green lizard man, and he shoots tridents instead of swords. Right. But he don't really look like a lizard. No. He kind of looks like Sprout. You know, Sprout from Jolly Green Giant. If yeah. Sprout didn't have a nose or a mouth. Oh. I like him. He's, you know, cutesy with everything else in this game, but he's just a, a weird secondary character. When I was young, I sent away for the Jolly Green Giant kite. Now, is Jolly Green Giant even a thing anymore? 
Yeah, remember Jolly Green Giant Smash. <laughs> He's in that new Avenger movie, uh, Fight the Voltron. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ages of Voltron. That's right. And I'll form the head. <laughs> exactly. Can you believe the visions that you have in that game? Everyone <laughs> loves the visions. Like I was saying before, the Jolly Green Giant, which is very important. But is Jolly Green Giant a brand? It's still I believe it's, it's still a frozen, brand, yeah. Probably Frozen or who knows. I but, buy store <laughs> brands. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hear you. So Jolly Green Giant, I sent, I've collected enough uh, corn nibblers, uh, <laughs> corn labels or something. I don't know why that struck me so funny. I'm just picturing you, 10 years old, shoving cream corn into an envelope to get a kite. No. No, no the labels. And I think I was younger. I think I might have, you know, I, geez, I don't even remember. I'm just glad you didn't. No, I think I was like 20 when I did this. So I sent in my labels and I got the Jolly Green Giant kite. And the mm. thing about this, which was awesome, and I never knew that kites can have this happen or whatever, was it came with Little Sprout. And he was just this piece of paper. Oh, and you sort of like cut them in towards the center. And then what you do is while you're flying your Jolly Green Giant kite, you stick a little sprout on your string. And the wind's supposed to be enough to make him move all the way up the string to the Jolly Green Giant. That's cool. And I never knew that, you know, you could do that, like put different that was a little. Thing. Yeah, that was a thing. So I just learned that right now. Oh, from you. Yeah. <laughs> from you. I didn't hey. know that was a thing. So, you know, go on a time machine, put cream corn in an envelope and get your little sprout piece of paper. We talk kites. We do talk program kites. on giant media ball. <laughs> what else did we leave out? We, we left out everything. I, I feel well, like it's we, a vertical shooter. And I know, oh, that's you know, right. I think this is important to let people know because I know a lot of people are going to emulate this. Make sure you got the right direction. Yeah. Make sure you got the right pixel aspect ratio. I can't stand when I see people reviewing games and they got it all stretched <laughs> to shit and yeah. it looks terrible. Yeah. Just hit tab on your keyboard and change some settings right. and play it properly. Two players simultaneous, fun with two people. I feel there's a good amount of power-ups in the game. I like the yeah. fact that you purchased the upgrades. I want to talk about the controls because I want to see if it was just me or if you felt the same way too. Controls aren't bad. The game is very playable, but I felt like I was really pushing Valkyrie forward. That's fair. Like, yeah, it, like it, I felt like I, it was. It's hard to describe, but I felt like I was overcompensating. Like I was pushing forward down harder than I needed to yeah. because I felt like she wasn't moving. Yeah, you're right. You and do. then when she f- jumped, it was like that Arthur syndrome where we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. I felt very, very vulnerable when she was in the air. Yeah, you do float. You, you do, do have float. control of her to like point her around, and but you have it's to very do some floating. diagonal. Yeah, you have to do some diagonals. We we didn't mention really the platforming element. I guess that's what you would call it, even though you're yeah. you know top down. But yeah, some of those jumps and towards the end, oh my gosh, you're landing on something that's the same size as you. There's some very difficult jumping going on, and sometimes when you think you made it, you didn't, and you go yeah. you go flying. Some down. of those areas think uh, Mega Man Two, but top down. <laughs> Like right. there it's is, rough. it's very difficult because there's moving platforms. The timing just kind of felt off. So if I could critique anything about the game, because it's so platform heavy, I just wish the controls and the jumping mechanics were just tightened up a little bit. Yeah. 
And the other thing you might not realize is that even though you have a shield, you don't hit a shield button. What no. you do, would do is just keep firing, and then like people throw spears at you, and they throw other projectiles. And when you're firing, that's when your shield kicks in and uh, stops them from hitting you. Right. There's also parts where there's rocks or logs or flames or other things that are going to be chasing you or falling on you. And depending on your shot and your strength, you could either destroy them or try to jump over them. Yeah. The other thing is is that your character does power up throughout the game. So you'll notice a costume change. Very subtle. You might not notice it right away, but you'll definitely notice it at the death screens when you go to type in your name. You'll see that your little face has different types of helmets and looks a bit different. And that's because as you power up through the game, your costume changes slightly and that indicates the, the power that you're at. And I think they have names, not like general or things like this, but it's more warrior-based types of titles. Once again, you might just completely overlook it because of all the other stuff going on, but the graphics are just gorgeous. I think we've said that several times, but I really want to pound that home. This is a nice game to play. You won't mind giving this one a try. Not at all. For fans of uh, Zelda who like action arcade-style games, this is an amalgamation you're really going to enjoy. Right on. And now here's T.T. Schmootkins with next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. We shall see. Hello, I am T.T. Schmootkins. Here is next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes. All right, what's your clue for next week's arcade game? All right, cranking up there. Uh, cranking my up there. clue for next week is if Balrog's Vega and Vega's M. Bison and M. Bison's Balrog and Balrog's Vega and Vega's M. Bison and M. Bison's Balrog, why is he in this game? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't get that reference yet. My clue's going to be Dizzy Dan. Dizzy Dan. Did we play the same game? (laughs) I think so. Well, mine, Dizzy Dan, because I always confuse this game with a different game. Oh, okay. Dizzy Dan, or it might be Smarty Smitty. All right, everybody. Well, that's the show. Uh, We don't have any musical guests anymore. That ended two episodes ago. So I guess I got to go back to trying to figure out how to end the show. (laughs) See you then. Yeah, bye.
Green Tops, from Ideas, the good game people.